0: I've been rolling since one on the dot, so you guys have been on the clock for four minutes.
1: Oh, oh shit. It's gonna start charging overtime.
2: Send Dave the invoice. <laughs> yeah, I'll take care of that for you. Sick, all right, well, you know what? I feel I feel great. Let's just uh, let's just make a podcast here. Gearbuds podcast episode 76 i'm henry we've got dave here as always hey. actually i should say dave there i guess i um, am over being there. there being your yeah. home yeah we have mike maymoney on the line coming from sweet nashville down in tennessee what's up man yeah
0: i'm doing all right i'm i'm enjoying the fall weather here knowing that there's not going to be a frozen tundra ahead so <laughs> so is this your is this your
2: first Nashvillean winter
0: it is yeah, well, I mean, oh, technically wow. I moved in January, so I was, I was yeah. here for the end of the previous one, but, um, yeah, this will be my first fall into winter.
2: Well, you know what? I think you and I are, are similarly built fellows. I feel like we're kind of built for the cold anyway, or yeah. at least that's how I rationalize it in my brain anyways. Totally. Uh, well, sweet. We're going to get into all that. And if you don't know Mike already, he's, he's an amazing singer and songwriter and keyboard player and many other things uh from the band mutts as well as his own solo deal for years now super stoked to get into it with you, you can cut it up later and catch up but first we're going to dive into our usual segments here getting started with symphony of corrections uh, here is your weekly reminder that cables are tone tubes let's i'm just gonna thank everybody far and wide who's who's stuck with us uh through all this bullshit that's going on in the world and following us instagram Gearbuds podcast and facebook dave killing it with the memes as always thank you sir. thank you for providing a little a little light uh, a little light in my life every day with your little meme
1: posts on i'm glad facebook i could help somebody there. that's awesome
2: hell yeah and even if it's even if it's your co-host <laughs> and uh don't forget to subscribe spotify apple podcast blah 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 uh I just want to get into it real fast because I'm super excited. I've got some big gear news that happened uh, this past week. I've gotten a couple pretty sweet pieces of gear that I just want to kind of gush about for a minute, if y- if y'all will indulge me, indulge yeah, me here, please. I well, I'll start with the most recent, which was yesterday. This was it was a bit of a whirlwind Craigslist deal, and we all know how much I love Craigslist. But uh, I got my first ever vintage Silvertone acoustic guitar
1: yesterday. It's very cool. I mean, I've seen pictures. I haven't seen it in person, but it looks yeah. really cool.
2: The thing that the thing that blows me away about it is, you know, you hear vintage silver tone and you picture sort of one of those like toy guitars basically. Yeah, that's the kind Sears. of just like mm-hmm. Which, yeah, it's a Sears Roebuck Silvertone, uh, which, man, I've, I've gone down quite the rabbit hole learning everything about these. But I, the the main thing that surprised me when I you know went and found this blurry photo guitar that the guy was charging less than $100 for, I was like, I don't know what to expect with this thing. And it's like a super well-built Japanese-made acoustic guitar that sounds super awesome, and I'm just like super stoked. I've already posted it on the Instagram. I was going to
0: say, is it named Vasa? It is. Oh, yeah. And, it looks pretty. Right. I'm looking at it right now. Yeah,
2: yeah, and for those wondering, Vasa, uh, I, I'm calling it that because it has what they, what, uh, I don't know if they called it at the time or it's just been sort of enthusiast since then, called the Viking-style bridge on it. It has this bridge that kind of looks like a Viking ship, which is fucking rad. Oh, yeah. Uh, and that, that is an, an homage to when I went to visit the Vasa giant ship in in Sweden with oh, a cool. buddy and former guest Brad Sawicki uh the it's the it's this crazy story about the it was at the time it was the biggest ship ever built and blah 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 the dutch did it in sweden and the moment that it left the harbor it sunk (laughs) and went to the bottom of of this whatever black sea i believe and because at the time they were dumping so much shit in the water there, there was the right sort of particulates going on to Perfectly preserve this thing, so they're hundreds of years later able to just drag it up from the bottom of the water from oh, the wow. sea and, and bring it. And now they built a museum around it. Anyways, that's that's cool. why I called that guitar Vasa. Uh, I'm so stoked with it. It's it's got the sort of like beautifully ugly thing that I really like yeah. uh, with because someone tried to repair the top at one point from all the wear marks, mm-hmm. and uh, they like I don't know what they put in there, but it's some sort of like filler thing, and it, you know, that makes it look kind of ugly. But boy, it, she she's a beauty. Like yeah, it so and I
0: much. It's
1: I would add this. It. Uh, yeah, it's it's got a really nice some really nice wear and aging to it, and 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 the thing that's really funny is you sent me a picture of it. I think two days before you picked it up, perhaps, yeah. and it was just this blurry photo you should almost post that photo too because it's like (laughs) you couldn't even tell you could tell that it was like the yellow of like kind of an older 70s guitar but that's the only like thing you could tell about it and you know the price was right so um congrats on that thing turning out really cool man i mean that yeah yeah, thanks, man.
2: I'm super. St- I, again, it was kind of one of those things. It was like, it was. Uh, I don't. I don't. I just don't want to say how much it was. It was less than a hundred dollars. And I was like, well, even if I don't love it, I'll. I can throw some strings on it and clean it up, and you know, at least get my money back. Yeah. And then now to actually, really like playing the guitar and how it dig how it sounds. It's already completely sent me down this crazy research rabbit hole. And it turns out there's this guy Scott Baxendall, who's this luthier who takes the accidentally the one that i have and these other very specific old harmony k Silvertone guitars and then kind of like upgrades them a little bit and charges ridiculous amounts of money so oh, wow. i think we're gonna have to we're gonna have to try to get that guy on the show that at some cool, point man. to tell me everything there is to know about this guitar because he seems like the expert uh and then and then and if, if that's not enough a couple days maybe less than a week before that I got a new interface, which I am so fucking stoked about. Congrats! Uh, yeah, I got uh, we. Uh, you know, we we've, we've already had people from Universal Audio on the show before. Everyone knows I'm a huge old Universal Audio stan, and already had one of their interfaces. But I got the newest uh, X 8 p Yeah, space. man. And oh boy, that it's, is it's something.
0: That is what I have been rocking. Y- you've got
2: the X8P as well.
0: Yeah, I got it oh, uh, right dude. before I moved. I tracked a bunch of drums on it right before I pieced yeah. out. Yeah.
2: That's that's really, that's the thing. I have the I have the sort of first gen version now, but only has four preamps. And I was like, I want something with eight units yep. preamps, and some hexa processing. And holy shit, For it sure. sounds so good. Yep. I'm so happy with it. Uh, so yeah I don't know I, f- I feel like uh, I, I I have done some tracking with it already and it sounds really good I definitely need some more time to spend learning all the ins and outs and, and everything still and spend more time talking about it later on you, the show but if you haven't yeah, in if you tips. haven't
0: explored using the talkback mic as like a room mic I highly recommend tracking through the talkback mic Ooh, oh no yeah. shit. But having, <laughs> having
2: talkback has been awesome just for like pure practicality purposes yeah. tracking in there with my with my, my songwriting partner but man oh I have haven't recorded it yet
0: yeah it's a thing dude i had a drum oh. set in this room like i do i pretty much am always tracking in the same room as whatever i'm recording and uh so in my bedroom i had a drum set and i had turned on the talkback mic and it's the principal microphone for the drum sound on my christmas song that's coming out later because it's just trashy and awesome holy shit that's awesome dude. yeah
2: any tips in terms of did, were you were you precious with where you pointed it and put it in
0: the room or is it kind of just wherever it was it's just wherever it was i mean it's going to be extremely distorted and compressed (laughs) no matter what so yeah it's just just where it is
2: It's. i mean that's basically the modern phil collins trick right there yeah oh yeah damn well that's been my, my personal gear news uh, that cool. I've just been really gassed about the past couple days. Uh, while we're here, I might as well quickly mention that uh, there's been a bunch of cool stuff that's actually come out or been announced the past week or so. Uh, a couple new boss loopers. I don't know if you boys saw that. Uh, the Strymon Night Sky, which is their new super fancy reverb pedal that's going to show up on every single church board in the world. Uh, the whole JHS-3 series, which is like a three-knob series that has a super, it, everything's like 99 bucks. Everything's super scaled back, but, you know, mm-hmm. practical. Uh, oh, and today, actually, Voodoo Lab announced they've got some new power supplies that I am super excited about because they're like crazy high power and super isolated and nice and awesome. Uh, Hmm. so for you you power nerds those check out the blue labs and then finally i just want to mention quickly because former guest of show and friend shelby pollard his uh new adventure black bobbin had just announced a custom limited edition benson pre-pedal in sparkle pink which just looks fucking awesome that
1: thing looks super cool yeah, and that if you if
2: you if any of you all have never played that pedal, it sounds really good. I, I love it just at, tonally. But then now to also have a pink sparkle version, I think I'm finally gonna have to buy one. Hmm. Sweet, that's that. Uh, man, that was a heck of a symphony right there. And the only the only way I know how to follow that symphony up is with saying my two favorite words every single week which is Dave's, Dave's Docs.
1: Yeah, man. Uh, we got a good one this week. I was, uh, I was really excited. You know, I'm a huge Rolling Stones fan. They're probably like yes, my favorite band of all time, or one of them. Um, uh, Amazon just released a brand new Rolling Stones-esque documentary, um, specifically about Brian Jones, the original founding member Ooh. of the Rolling Stones. Hmm. And a lot of people, I think a lot of people overlook Brian Jones. You know, they kind of don't realize... How important he was to the start of that band, and and you know how uh, how he wrote you know all of those early you know those kind of blues influenced songs. He was really one of the main writers of uh, of a lot of that stuff. And everybody talks about Keith and Mick, but but Brian doesn't get enough credit. So they they released a um, documentary on Amazon Prime about uh, it's called Rolling Stone. Life and death of Brian Jones, and um, you know it, it goes into his early career. Um, you know he started playing blues guitar when he was like thirteen or fourteen, playing on stage with you know famous British blues players when he was 16, 17 years old. Um, Dang, yeah, and really just just ultra ultra talented. Kind of kind of one of those guys. There was you know not an instrument he couldn't play. You know if some people uh, don't know, you know he plays. Uh, I think it's what is it the merembos or something on the under my thumb. You know, he's, he's oh, just, I, I did not know that. Yeah. He's just, he's really one of those guys. He played like, I know he's played like saxophone on like tracks before with other bands and stuff. So he's definitely one of those kind of all over the place, you know, all around great musicians. And, um, you know, for a lot of people who don't know, he left the band in, I want to say it was 1960, I think it was early 1969. Um, it, it's kind of a crazy movie, man, because he he had a controversial death. He got he got uh, caught with drugs twice in 68 and 69, I think it was. Um, both occasions, it was really sketchy. They think that they were probably planted there at the time. Um, the cops were really, really shady at the time. Because, you know, what, what you had a lot of going on in, in late 60s, you know, England, especially London, was, you know, you had this kind of overtaking of this, like this hippie movement, and there was a lot of people against that kind of stuff. And, you know, to make examples out of some of these guys, Brian was, you know, he's a, in the spotlight, you know, being quoted as, you know, yes, I use drugs, I smoke grass and all that stuff. So, you know, they really wanted to shut that down. So they, they arrested him twice on drug charges. Um, whether or not he actually had anything on him was yet to be decided. And then, um, actually he died in 1969. He was the first member of the 27 club, uh, if you want to call it that. And he was found dead at his home. Um, it was in a, he, he moved off to this like beautiful mansion off on a farm and they found him in a swimming pool. And this, I didn't really know all this. This is a huge controversy. Like basically they, they're saying, you know, he was probably murdered most likely, Um, they think he got in a fight with one of the other tenants that was living at the house was kind of the guy who built this, he kind of built the house and he kind of worked on the house while Brian was living there and he would stay there. And I think Brian owed him a lot of money. Um, and basically, you know, they found him drowned in the pool. And then when they did the autopsy, they were like, well, he had like the equivalent of like three beers in him, which really for a guy at 27 years age, you know, that's not that much. And then, um, they found fresh water in his lungs. And obviously, a pool's got chlorine. So they think that he was actually drowned in this like horse trough that was off to the side of the house during a fight. And then they threw his body in there and they closed the case. They were like, we're never gonna, we just, we're not gonna investigate this because it helps our narrative of don't drink, don't do drugs. You know, kids, you know, this is what will happen to you sort of thing. And they close the case. And then that was pretty much it. Had this, you know, happened today, I think there would have been a much, much bigger controversy in the matter. So, um, you just blew my freaking mind. Yeah, dude. I I don't think I shouldn't have gotten the stone before the episode. Sorry. Yeah, I didn't mean to get too dark, (laughs) but it really is. It really is an interesting, interesting movie. And I'm not one of those guys. I don't like like those, um, Those, you know, mystery murder movies and stuff like that, they kind of freak me out. And I actually didn't know they were going to get this deep into it. But the second half of the movie is basically them, you know, bringing up evidence and talking about all this other stuff that they found, you know, with his body. So it's uh, again, Brian Jones just doesn't get doesn't get enough credit, man. Like, you know, Mick and Keith, they don't ever talk about him anymore. Charlie doesn't talk about him. The only one who's who's really ever kind of talked about him at awards ceremonies and things like that is uh, Bill Wyman uh who's the bass player originally so sure. you know it's uh, it's it's kind of a it's kind of a sad story but if you go back and listen to those early stones records man i mean you know some of his solos and some of his playing just, it really, that wouldn't have been the same band without him. So, uh, Man, so I, really, highly, I mean, highly, highly I gotta, but, I gotta
2: ask, yeah. uh, you know, uh, as always, the fucking, or any, any good gear spotting? Yeah, bands, yeah. I mean, know, or yeah. I mean, you know, yeah, he
1: was big into the, the Vox guitars, obviously, yeah. which were, you know, British at the time. I, they're, yeah, British company. And um, I think the Phantom guitar, which is like the teardrop shaped one, I believe. Totally. They show him in there playing that a lot. And of course, I know one of your favorites, he's playing a mean Firebird uh, later in the, later in their career, um, like probably a 65 Gibson Firebird sunburst, um, reverse headstock, um, as it should be super, super cool. So yeah, a lot of good gear spots in it. A lot of cool like photos and and footage and stuff like that. Um, not a lot of music. I don't know if it was an authorized doc by the Rolling Stones. I would Uh, guess it wasn't. So, you know, all the, all the music in the background is kind of like, generic bluesy kind of you know guitar type stuff um but there's like a lot of real interviews and a lot of a lot of really cool like just footage and stuff like that so it's definitely worth a watch man for sure sweet well what's your uh, totally arbitrary rating totally arbitrary rating um because i'm not a huge murder mystery guy you know but i'm a huge stones fan i'm gonna give it like a i'm just gonna give it a three and a half out of five stars just to be respectable
2: first time that stars have ever been used yeah i I couldn't really
1: think of a good you know a good one for that because i I respect brian jones so much i just want to give him uh give him a solid three out of five three and a half out of five
2: excuse
0: me good one thanks buddy
2: hell yeah all right let's do a little riff library where i talk about uh, one of my favorite records uh of all time every week and this week i so i got i'm going to tell you this I, i i tend to i tend to try to make sure i always listen to it you know full thing both sides or whatever uh, in the mornings or before before we do the episode just so I kind of have it fresh in my brain uh, So I actually put it on pretty early this morning like maybe nine o'clock or so and this is the earliest I don't I can't believe that I've ever had an earlier dance party by myself in my entire life <laughs> than I did this morning uh, Because the record that I put on was Todd Turhay's it's album time. Oh
1: my god, dude. I love this record
2: Mike, are you are you are you into it? I am unfamiliar. Oh, this is, this is great because I am quite right certain now. that you're going to dig it. Uh, and, and if you don't even have to look it up because I'm going to tell you all about it. All uh, right. Probably more than anybody needs to know. Uh, it came out in 2014. It took about three full years for him to make it. Every single thing on the record except for uh, some other musicians on one slash two-ish tracks all played by him. It's pretty much fully built around uh, the ARP 2600. For anybody who doesn't okay. know Todd Torres' music, he before this record came out, he was mostly known as this just like straight up dance music producer and and, and a, a very excellent one at that. And then he'd sort of been kind of ever since 2012. And for you know, I'll will just tell you about this. There was this doc the, well, we thought it was a documentary, which later turned out to be a, a mockumentary called Whateverist came out. Yeah, in 2012. Great. Did you yep. see that? I okay, did, yeah. sweet. So it's it's this like short, you know, 15 minute thing, maybe maybe less, where it follows this dude in Norway. Todd is himself is Norwegian, uh, who. He was this like failed music producer, but in order to make money for his mentally uh, challenged uncle, he makes drugs. And then it's like this video of him just like dancing to this music and ma- <laughs> taking these crazy drugs. Well, it I I thought it was real the first time I saw it, just like the rest of the world. Later, turns out that it was it was a mockumentary. But that sort of one of that that one of the songs from that kind of fed into the creation of this full record. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is. I mean from top to bottom some of the finest production i've ever heard agreed i i don't use this word very often i feel like it's a, it's a the record is a masterpiece uh you don't have to even be like a, a disco or a telodisco disco or dance music fan or whatever to get into this because like it kind of does everything but mostly dan- awesome dance music mm-hmm. to be to be fair um so uh, yeah, one of the cool things about it too is that the old, like I mentioned that there was only one other song that has other musicians on it because <clears throat> again it is mostly synth- synthesizer based and of course there's a lot of rhythm as well, but uh, it has it's a cover of a Robert Palmer song, uh, but it features Brian Ferry who you know you may or may not know as the singer from Roxy Music and a bunch of other shit since then, uh, doing the vocals on it which is super cool. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, so that's awesome the artwork itself is awesome uh, I'm holding it in my hand yeah. right now because it was actually I can't remember the writers na- or the artist's name but he he does a lot of the art for like The New Yorker um, you'll yeah. it's a pretty sort of recognize oh here it is uh, Bendick Coltonborn is his name uh, he does he does a lot of that artwork
0: cover is right up my alley it's doing its job as an album cover and making me want to listen to it
2: yeah dude yeah the music sounds it, like the cover it really does it kind of does I feel like that there if there is sort of an overarching theme to, not that there is one but if there were to be one sonically it a lot of it does kind of gravitate back towards some sort of lounginess in Mm -hmm. some ways uh so i think that yeah absolutely the 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 cover the cover does its job i want to say one other thing that i really love about the packaging for this record is that it has an insert with some really cool sort of like uh, what looked like mushroom tripping based art on one side and then the other side he lists every single instrument used on the record and on which track. Like ARP 2600 with St. Eric Mods, all tracks. ARP Odyssey with St. <laughs> Eric Mods, blah, blah, blah. Like Droll and Jupiter. I mean, there's this long list. Even the you NI know, Abbey Road drums 60s, 70s, which I plug and I also own. It sounds awesome. Uh, just like stuff like that for every single song. And then it says additional musicians and it lists Brian Ferry and the other players on track 7 and 8. Uh, that is just something I wish as as you know a gear f- fucking weirdo uh more people would do because i love reading that
1: stuff yeah me too so
2: yeah that um you know what honestly that's enough said about it just go listen to it uh if you aren't having a dance party by the the track inspector Norris, i don't know what to tell you we just don't have the same taste then
1: i'm jealous you have it on vinyl man
2: you know what it's it's worth and it's worth it's worth the buy on vinyl i normally don't love so what it did for this record what he did was instead of making just like a a single album with 33 and a third speed uh, it's all 45 rpm so you do have to flip it more often than Mm. not but the tracks are like mostly you know it's dance tracks so like six minute long songs for a lot of them and stuff so it's not that big of a deal uh, but it sounds really good because it's that like slow speed 45 rpm mastering and all that good stuff beautiful
1: great record, man yeah
2: Hell yeah. I'll throw it on the old, uh, the playlist on Spotify and we can repost that for y'all. And it's on the website, gearbudspodcast.com. Cool. That is enough of me jibber jabbering on for a while. Cause now we're going to get into a couple two tree randos where we get to know our buddy Mike here a little bit better. Uh, so Mike first question for you here, if you could swap places with any band member of any band, past or present living dead, doesn't matter your skill or theirs, anything like that, who would that be and why?
0: uh probably john paul jones from zeppelin uh oh yeah Yeah. i feel like he's just (laughs) so multifaceted like you know plays a little bit of everything and is still rocking now like i feel like the longevity where he's been able to contribute to like one of the greatest rock bands ever and now doing cool stuff like with uh, them crooked vultures Yes, plays keys like me plays bass like a motherfucker so yeah that's that's my guy. Oh man, that's you're, a great answer.
2: You're, you're you're in good. You're in company of with uh, with us on that one. Indeed, right? I think I feel like I feel like Dave. I believe that that was your answer.
1: Yeah, well, it was. I got scared because then I, if if I had to be John Paul Jones, then there wouldn't be John Paul Jones. See, I, I did it like that, so that would make <laughs> me sad. Right. But uh, other than that, yeah, he's definitely, he's definitely one, of my, one of my top three. And I was going to say, didn't we, didn't we talk about it a couple weeks ago? Was there or was there not a confirmed teaser that them Crooked Vultures may be doing something? In
0: are Alberta? they or hearing something? that? They,
2: they updated some of their socials. And then, okay. the, of course, all of us who are so fucking thirsty. For <laughs> music, Give us one uh, more. Well, of course they're doing yeah. it. Come on. It's a
0: step in the right direction. Yeah. I, yeah. I, oh. somebody is working in their social media department yeah that's <laughs> something
2: <laughs> well i uh, shit that record which was also on a previous uh, edition of riff library uh that's like what 10 years old i think
0: yeah i remember yeah. listening to I think that it was 2010 yeah it was either yeah, nine was or saying. ten because yeah, i remember I listening saying. to it in the company thieves van
2: Oh, oh yeah. yeah, COT. We are definitely going to talk about that. Also, uh, when you were in a band with Mr. Brad Sawicki, who's already come up in this episode. Look at that. Yeah. All right. Uh, what was your first concert? Uh,
0: I was actually just talking about this with a buddy. Uh, my first actual concert was New Kids on the Block uh, with, I believe, <laughs> Paul shit. Abdul opening. It was uh, my older sister was going, and you know, I was a little kid, and I wanted to do anything that my older sister was doing uh so i tagged along uh and i remember when the like my dad was there and he gave me earplugs and he's like you're gonna need these and i'm like all right whatever um and when the house music came up i was like this isn't bad and then like the first <laughs> kick drum hit and i cried <laughs> I, was, yeah. <laughs> I, was, I must have been like six or seven and it was just like you know it pushes you the air moves yeah and i was like this is too much and i put the earplugs in and then i could really enjoy you know the right stuff and all of that but uh
1: wow. oh man but yeah
2: that's great pa- practicing good hearing protection uh at safety a, at a, such a, at young, a age. young age yeah
1: yeah good foresight
2: that's the time to do it too that's so funny too because that's definitely i I would say uh, sort of a similar experience to our last week's guest who i'm going to ask you a question from shortly but also my my main memory of my first concert was the feeling of the kick drum in my like in my heart i remember feeling like inside (laughs) Mm -hmm. my chest like what is happening that shouldn't (laughs) feel like (laughs) Yeah, right and here we are today still chasing that feeling yeah uh if you had a time machine where would you go and then I've added this recently. Uh, what gear would you buy?
0: Hmm, Wow, okay. I would go back to like Renaissance Europe, buy a harpsichord <laughs> bring it back now and play it once and then forget about it. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I mean, no one says that you have to do anything profound. That's a perfectly viable answer. Right yeah, there. I love it. Yeah. It wow, is I absolutely love that.
0: Such a bizarre keyboard instrument. Um I've only yeah. ever played one once. Uh, and it has such a like specific sound and purpose for that kind of like madrigal style music. And yeah. uh that is a thing that I enjoy once every twenty years and then never <laughs> want to hear again for another two decades. <laughs>
2: Dude, I remember at the music school down at U of I, they had one, and I got to play it a few times. And 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 just like, well, first of all, the keys are inverted, the black and white, so that's that's yeah. pretty wild. Oh, cool. But then also each, it's every it's a it's a plucked instrument, yep. so so there's no dynamics control. It's like you hit the key, and then it's just like on or off. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. It's so weird. It's and like I'm, I'm certainly not good enough to actually like play one of those things properly.
0: And the music of that era was very like. Like if you like riffs, then you love like Muzio Clementi and like all of these composers that are just like riffs like crazy, but it's on like a, <laughs> a plucked instrument. So it just sounds hilarious. Um, yeah. It's like pizzicato violin just playing like. Yeah. Yeah. And you're like, this is amazing, I but I don't want too much of this. I can only take so, so much. <laughs>
2: I do love riffs, and I'm not familiar with the music you were just talking about, so I'm going to need you to send me some links after we're done here because I want to hear that. Oh, yeah. Big time. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. All right, sweet. Let's uh, let's go get you a harpsichord. Uh, so let's get back to that question from Megan Davies, which, by the way, if you haven't gone back in, or if you haven't listened to that one yet, anybody listening to this episode, you should absolutely do that after this one because, wow, a lot was covered there. And what she wanted to know, and, and I wouldn't tell her who it was, but I would I did mention that as a fellow Nashvilleian nashville and i don't know what the hell you guys call yourselves uh what we should ask our next guest and she would like to know if you have found a place uh that you know not a little maybe more off the beaten path to get some sweet guitar synth deals down in nashville
0: you know i haven't so here's the deal i moved in january uh immediately was just out every night like doing songwriter nights and networking my ass off and doing pretty well but like not making time to like actually like explore the city i was just totally about work and Mm -hmm. and that was that was great it was it went really well and then like a tornado happened and then like Mm -hmm. the whole city was you know rushing to the aid of of east nashville so there wasn't really anything going on uh you know as far as like getting out and seeing things at that point there wasn't much to go see it was all smashed and then sure. uh and then covid so yeah yeah i i very lamely must answer no i have not found a good place to go go find things well sh- hopefully uh hopefully they all still exist when the world gets to do that
2: kind of shit again right mm-hmm. Just,
0: there's know, a world way, out there still sweet <laughs> fucking
2: crazy i don't know all i know about some guitars and podcasts at this point <laughs> which is uh, great Final. Yeah. I mean, you know, it works indoors. Uh, what, uh, what question should we ask our next guest?
0: Do I need to know who the next guest is or is it just general? just,
2: Just know that it's like, you know, someone in the music world.
0: Um, when you feel like, uh, you're not inspired creatively in whatever capacity you need to be inspired, what do you do? Like, what do you go to, to help you get that juice flowing again? Oh, love that question awesome so question. much
2: Hell yeah! which is which has been a bit also a little bit of a recurring theme for us lately too just that the idea of balancing your input and output and, mm-hmm. and not beating yourself up when that output uh isn't exactly up to your your whatever your version of your standards are because frankly nobody we we can't really get all the input that we used to or even most of the input that we used to anymore at this point
1: yep Totally,
2: dude. Love that. Love that question. Can't wait to can't wait to ask it. And might actually just steal that and throw that in a couple two randos in the future because it's a cool. it's something that I, I I'm curious about to to learn from people. Me too. Uh, so I would I would pose that to you, Mike. Has there been anything that that you have been trying to do to 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 fill the well a little bit uh, in this time of lack of in, input?
0: Yeah, uh, I have a a playlist that uh, the idea came from. I can't remember. I think it was Greg Wells watching one of his tutorials on like mix with the masters or something. Mm -hmm. And so he was like put together a playlist and call it mix reality or that's his title. Um, And I'm just stole it. Uh, So I have a playlist called mix reality and it's just whenever I hear a song, it could be something I'm familiar with or it could be something that comes up on somebody else's playlist, whatever it is. It could be on TV and then I just shazam it throw it on that list and it's stuff that just the sound of it or the writing um just kind of like not like I guess kind of blows my mind or it just makes me think in a different way it's stuff that like I wouldn't necessarily do myself so it's all stuff that kind of pulls me into like damn that is super cool uh and you know I throw that on and it just kind of like shakes up my my process in my own head
2: That's great. Yeah. Just finding other, other music that, that, that brings that back to your music. That's, that's a, a simple way to do it, Mm -hmm. but super powerful for sure. Yeah. Sick, man. All right. Well, thanks for, uh, putting up with my, my, my weird random questions here. Let's, let's get a little bit uh, deep into your, into your, your upbringing and such. Where'd you grow up, man?
0: I grew up in Ashtabula, Ohio. It's uh, outside Cleveland up on Lake Erie.
2: What, uh, what was, what was, what was going on there? When did you, when did you get into music and becoming the ferocious musician you are today? How, how early did that happen?
0: Uh, I, I mean, I started taking piano lessons, uh, when I was five, my mom kind of forced me into it and made me stick with it. Uh, didn't really like it. I think until, um, maybe like junior high, high school era where I started playing like a combination of like my my teacher would allow me to bring in pop music that I liked and started teaching me kind of the theory and the nuts and bolts of like why pop songs are the way they are mm-hmm. and Same. yeah that was really nice that he did that uh, and then also yeah. just playing more uh, intense like classical music like Tchaikovsky and the aforementioned Muzio Clementi, uh, just stuff that was a little more like the classical version of what I like to listen to now and in, in rock music like highly dynamic aggressive uh those are kind of like the two main things that I think <laughs> I look for in rock music <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I think that kind of got me on on the path of like really enjoying performing music and going and doing recitals and bombing and coming back and trying again and freezing on stage and like crying in the hallway as an 18 year old person like it's just all of those like ups and downs and it's just just addictive you know both sides of the spectrum I feel like we need were you predominantly just doing sort of solo
2: piano stuff or were you were you also playing in any sort of ensembles or bands or anything like that at that point
0: no i never really played in bands until i got to college and honestly like you know growing up music just felt like this magical thing that you didn't know how it was made and i'm assuming you guys get tape op and i got mine yesterday oh, yes. and larry's rant is exactly about this it's like or no i think it's his intro not the rant but um the, the, oh, the first page not the first page. page yeah yeah <laughs> uh one of those. That's like the first thing I read is the first page and the last page. But anyway, so I
2: immediately, as soon as we're done here, I'm going to run out to my mailbox because I did (laughs) not get mine yet. And I'm just going to check if it's there because that's like, I read it all in one sitting. It's my favorite. Yeah.
0: Same. Um, so yeah. So he's just talking about that feeling that, that really resonated with me where it's like, I didn't realize you could actually make music yourself until like, I was 19 until I was all out of the house and went to college and met other people who were, who were doing that. Like someone heard me playing piano in like the chapel at, in my dorm. Cause I went to a Catholic college and was like, Hey, I have a band. Do you want to join my band? And so then like all of a sudden I'm a member of the Island boys yeah. <laughs> playing. Wait, playing. that's really what the band was called? Yeah. Great name. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. We played
2: like reggae music. Um, yeah. It was. Wow. Your first band was a reggae band. That's kind of mind blowing. Yeah. Yeah. What does the, the, the pianist do, the keyboard player do in a reggae band?
0: Uh, here's like the first riff. Oh, I love oh, that you had that just stuff. on like a, a keyboard sitting there. Right I always have a play keyboard right in front of me. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, it was, dude, it was a blast. It was fun. Those are some of my best friends. Uh, yeah. and, uh, and like, you know, it was like parties, like, you know, you're a college kid, and you're just playing every weekend in you know off-campus parties or bars or whatever. And yeah, I, I had a very simple role, so I just drank a lot, got super drunk, played that riff over and over again, and uh, yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> did, wait, did you did you go? If, am I
2: remembering correctly? Did you go to
0: Notre, uh, Notre Dame? Yeah,
2: sweet. Did the, did you did you were you in the music school there?
0: No, I was an accounting major. But awful. so that's kind of getting it like the original question is like, I just, I was never yeah. on a path that I understood that music could be made by normal humans. I thought it was like wizards did it somewhere. Um, and it that's, is,
2: and frankly, half true
0: yeah i mean there is there is some magic involved with making music it's just probably not the kind
2: you thought it was and andrew
0: sheps looks like a wizard so it's like (laughs) it's actually true (laughs) he has he he has gandalf's beard for sure (laughs) but yeah so i i just was never really on a path to like uh be making music until like sort of the end of college that band just like reformed and changed our name and uh, then we ended up moving in together in Chicago which is when I first moved to Chicago after everybody graduated and uh, nice. and at that point we changed our name to Bahawalla, uh still with kind of like the island vibes but a little more like pop stuff and uh, and yeah that's when I was like oh we can we can do this and we went to a studio we went to the Ivy Lab and recorded an EP Aha. And that's where I met everybody.
2: <laughs> yeah. The, all, yeah. Of our, all of our mutual friends, how we all basically know each other uh, through that world. And, you know, obviously I had Sean O'Keefe on the show recently. Yeah. Uh, when did the, because I know, so I, I would imagine that you and I first met during the Company of Thieves times. Was that around then that that happened?
0: No. So that was several years later. So that college band kind of fell apart. Everybody... We actually had a dude from Epic Records come and, like, w- like come see us play. This was, like, the MySpace days. It was 2005. Mm-hmm. And when
2: there, there were st- still actual A&R people doing yeah, things like right. that. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. So he came out. We played Hoghead McDonough's and sold it out. It was, you know, it's, like, 100 people or whatever. But, you know, it was, like, this dude came out, and he was, like, barely making eye contact. He was on his, like, sidekick. Which was a th- that <laughs> phone? <laughs> oh yes, slippy phone. And he's like, "Yeah, man, you guys are cool and stuff, but like, you gotta like own your region. So just said playing, play more, play like all around the Midwest, and um, and yeah, we'll we'll touch base. Blah blah blah. I'll gotta get on a plane and go do important things. I'm like, all right. So everybody just. Bailed and pretty much, uh, and I moved out to Portland to play in a band with the bass player, who was kind of like, "All right, I'm gonna set up a new thing, and we're gonna take this guy's advice, and we're gonna just tour up and down the West Coast." And we did that for two years, and then that band broke up, uh, and that's when I moved back to Chicago, and um, I was. I was actually working on a solo project for a year and I was like, I'm going to own my region. Like the guy on the sidekick said, <laughs> um, and like a year later I, I was putting out my first record and the, and living on the couch at the Ivy lab. And, uh, you know, I just met all these people that were coming in and out, uh, of that studio all year, like 2008. And, um, I guess I, that's when I met like Chris Faller, I guess I met mm-hmm. Bob Buckstaff before I was in Company of Thieves, but like neither one of us really recalls. <laughs> yeah. We, we were mostly drunk. Um, yeah. So <laughs> I remember,
2: I've barely remembered those days as well. I'm yeah, sure. I don't <laughs> I either. There, yeah.
0: Yeah. It was a lot of, it's great. It was a lot of playing music and a lot of drinking. Um, mm-hmm. That's right. So that's, then that's how I met. So I guess it was like five years later, my return to Chicago is when I met yeah. all the Company of Thieves people.
2: How long did you play in that band?
0: uh 2 years and then I did a little over 2 years and then I did the reunion tour in 2017.
2: Oh, cool. I completely forgot that that happened. Wow, that's so weird. Yeah. Uh what was uh what was the, so what was that like were that were you were you writing the songs were you just sort of like playing the songs what was the arrangement like when you're in that band?
0: No, it is um well when they were looking for a keyboard player, Brad was actually already gone. I didn't overlap with Brad Suwicky. Oh, we've, okay. We've right. we've a few times, yeah. yeah. Um, so I got like a note through, um, John Alvin saying that this band was looking for a a keyboard player and, um, they sent me Ordinary Riches and I charted out the whole record, which like, dude, it's crazy how much is going on on that record and and how many like parts and things. So it Mm -hmm. took a long ass time to chart that record out. And then I showed up for rehearsal and so, or for the audition and nailed it i guess you, wait, you charted
2: the whole record before the audition
0: yeah because i just that's
2: you know what that i feel like that's kind of a running theme and one of the things i want to talk about is your hustle but man that that is a fucking baller move to do yeah. right there where I, it's like all right deny me this job
0: yeah right right yeah i wanted to be ready to play anything and yeah um you know there's some really complex stuff on that record um so i'm sure i wasn't like totally ready to play like it note for note but you know walked in like pretty confident and uh you know hit it off with everybody they're just super welcoming uh people and um that was my first like real audition for a band that was like doing shit like i had played in bands obviously for a while but Mm -hmm. they were like okay so our first gig is carson Daly. we're gonna fly out to la i'm like what (laughs) 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 our first gig (laughs) yeah like, that's a gig? Uh, oh. So it was just off to the races, um, you know, right away. And then I think uh, maybe, like, six months in was when they really were starting to focus on on writing f- and demoing stuff out for the second record. Um, and I, I didn't write any of those songs. I, I You know, it's, like, hired gun style. Like, I, yeah, I contributed totally. thoughts to my parts and, you know, whatever incidental... Arrangement ideas I had but um, yeah, mm-hmm. I think Mark and Jen were definitely the mm-hmm. songwriters and I think the rest of us were all just kind of helping Kind of shape what they had already created
2: Mm-hmm. Were you so I know you mentioned that you were you were you'd started working on this like solo record was that uh <laughs> was that part of the solo record? Uh, was, uh, was that, so was that, was that overlapping with the COT stuff? Like, did you kind of put that on the shelf in order to, to play in the other band? I'm trying to kind of like yeah. figure out the timing on all that. Put it on the
0: shelf. So that came out in September of 08. And then I did like a coast to coast solo tour in my Subaru, which was super oh, fun. Yeah. Just playing <laughs> like college gigs and um, you know, whatever coffee shops I could find. Um, and, you know, came back to Chicago for the, the winter and was already working on new stuff. Kind of my whole vibe has been like record a record, put it out to her and then write more. And then yep. that's when I got the call, um, from thieves. So I definitely put my stuff on the back burner and I, I had like kind of a moment with Jen, um, early on in, in touring where I was like, look, I have like a month's worth of solo gigs already booked. Like I had like another little follow up run. Um and she's like, Well, like you kinda have to just pick. And she's like, I hope you pick us, but like, you know, I understand if you wanna just do your own mm-hmm. thing. And I'm just like looking at my coffee shop gigs and stuff and looking at like what we were doing in Thieves and was like, This is awesome being a part of this thing. Like doing doing these shows and 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 like traveling with a group of people like it was much more of a connection to a band and to people who are listening to music than I would ever get just hopping in a Subaru by myself uh, and going around playing coffee shops so it 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 was like a little bit of a setback to me for that stuff but looking back at it I needed it I needed to to go through that like growing and that connection and just see what it's like being in a, in a rock and roll band on tour. And, and I honestly was not in a place like musically as a solo artist where I could be viable anyway. So I needed that time to, to grow and to develop what I was doing.
2: Yeah. That's, that's awesome that you had that opportunity. And you already <clears throat> answered my, my up question to that, which would have been, you know, in hindsight, would you have done it that way again? It sounds like it was necessary. Like yeah, you, you don't ten you times out of ten, I would make the same are. decision. Yeah. yeah. So when when did was it then a matter of just wanting to do your own thing then when it came time to to start mots and make that happen? What was the sort of next step there?
0: Yeah, Bob and I kind of really hit it off. I think as being kind of like the guys who weren't on the contract with wind up. You know, yeah. we were kind of the, the. I'm not saying we're outsiders, but I think that we definitely, like, linked up over that because we weren't necessarily had an equal voice in the meetings with, like, the professional team, and, and that's totally fine. That's just the way it was. Mm-hmm. Um, but so we definitely, like, connected over that and just our mutual love of, of certain types of music, and he latched on to my solo record and was like, this is cool, but I think you should do something that's, like, a little more raw a little more stripped down. Because, uh, you know, I was living on the couch at the Ivy Lab. It was endless opportunities to be like, I'm going to double this piano solo with a worlitzer. <laughs> like, <laughs> why? Why would you <laughs> ever do that? Well, because you can when you're living it's on fun, the couch yeah. at the recording studio. So um, so he, it was really like his idea. And, and you know, he's, he heard some of the riffs I was coming up with. And they were definitely a little more like rock, piano kind of riffy, riffy stuff and so um we just did an ep with chris Fowler on drums and john alvin engineering at the stereophonic like that big warehouse space that used to be over on western um and it was just like a side project just a fun thing and then we got back in the in the van with thieves and we did that like three times total over the next two years and at some point it was like this is what i want to do like i i really loved what thieves was doing and the new album and getting to record that album with them was like a highlight of my life like working with rob schnaff uh out in la like you did that out out in l.a right yeah yeah Yeah, that's like definitely the apex i think of like my recording (laughs) experiences what studio was it uh so we started at sunset sound b room to do the drums and we got the b3 organ done there too um yeah just like you know those opportunities are like i'm so lucky that i got to be in that place and make a record yeah um and then we finished it at rob's uh personal studio called mant uh, which is a part of like a larger like cluster of studios that i am drawing a blank on the name but it's in silver lake um
2: Damn. Yeah, that's that's experience of a lifetime for sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Very formative. I think in my in my uh, musical career. So. And look,
2: don't get me wrong. I, I love COT, but this is this is the period of time where I am on record as having said numerous times that Mutts, they were they were my favorite. You guys were my favorite Chicago band, and and, oh, and still listen back on a lot of that stuff fondly. Thank I you. was absolutely, you know, even though you're my friend and we're in the same circle of people playing shows together, or whatever. Uh, I still, yeah, I still like look and still do look up to the music that you guys made. It just oh, everything man. you touched on with the the sort of aggressiveness of rock music and that sort of riffy side of things that you were doing uh, just blows me away still. And and not only that, you do it, and I'm a fucking, I'm a super, I'm a guitar boy, you know? Mm -hmm. And you do that in a band without typically having like a guitar is driving right. those riffs is just yeah. such an interesting dynamic especially as like the three piece which you guys were doing for a long time Yeah, uh, that energy there is just there's just still it makes you know i ha- i still have photos that i took of, of your band playing like framed up on my wall i just want to want to get you. that out there that i love your music a lot so there's that
0: thank you man that means that means a ton um, yeah
2: and and one of the things that also not even just your music that i've always really totally looked up to is your hustle and, and just the amount of effort you've already mentioned putting into touring and and going and playing to people. But also, I mean, just like the simplest shit, your email list and the, the way you engage with fans. And and I know you've got a giveaway going on right now. Like you're always doing Mm -hmm. stuff to bring your fans into the experience, which I think is just, I mean, that's, that's what people should be doing and you do it really well.
0: Thank you. Yeah. I definitely learned some of that from the experience with thieves and then just watching how other artists do it and kind of picking up on things. Um, yeah, I think that that's, it's like I was saying with, with the, with getting in the van with thieves originally, it's like that connection I feel like is, is one of the main reasons why we do what we do as touring musicians. You know, I mean, there's plenty of people who are content to make music in a studio and that's great, but I I love both sides of it. Um, Mm -hmm. And, and I think that, you know, people get obsessed with these numbers, like Spotify sends out a thing at the end of every year to every Spotify artist, like here's how many listeners you had. And yeah. it's toxic, it gets in our heads and it's, it's stupid. But like, I, f- I fall victim to it too. I'm doing it right now with this like giveaway and with trying to get people to share my music because it's necessary it's it's insane how many like promoters and managers and labels and agents and blah 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 are out there judging our art by the data oh yeah so it's just it's like a thing it's like i i hate that that's the thing that that drives part of the aspect of this promotional stuff but i look at it as fuck the numbers i love the fact that that these are actual human beings that are connecting with the music that I'm making. Mm-hmm.
2: Couldn't couldn't have said any better myself, my friend. Yeah, I mean, the, the, this idea of I, I, I want to be careful, and, and and I think we all understand to an extent that it's not it's not like data didn't always exist and wasn't always driving decisions behind True. pop mm-hmm. music and, and major label music. The problem is, really is that there. Well, there are a couple of problems, but well, one is that we have way way more data than so ever much before. Data and it and the way that the way that artists engage with communities has moved fully into a digital realm that at where everything can be measured. So so people are going to. So it's like, you know, it used to the this like grit and hustle of getting out and flying and doing that stuff, you know, you could talk about it, but there wasn't really a specific way to measure. But now you know how many fucking impressions your email gets, how what your click through mm-hmm. rate was, all of that stuff. So then of course people are, you know, business decision makers are going to latch onto that kind of shit.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and you know, it's like we were talking with Megan last uh, last week too and you know, it's like you're more than just an artist at this point too. You've got- to be this this machine of hustle so you know it's nice to hear that you're embracing that
0: yeah it's uh i remember reading an interview with randy newman where he was saying like his records never would have gotten made if it weren't for i think it was carol king uh is somebody else like a female powerhouse writer uh on his label and um what he was getting at is like labels back then would take chances on quirky artists Mm -hmm. that probably weren't going to sell and just to see if they did. And either way, they would be putting out cool music. And that was like a badge for a lot of those labels um, that they right. put out awesome records that may not have sold as much, but luckily they had other artists on their labels that could make them do that financially. And that's how we know who these people are. Um, well, now, like independent musicians are just doing that shit for themselves because labels aren't exactly. taking chances so but there's so many more avenues for us to to reach people and and have like harness those metrics that you just mentioned like we can see all that shit and use it ourselves so that's definitely something i've been focusing on the last like year since i can't go out and tour it's made me yeah probably like the silver lining is like i said i always like make a record tour tour make no money (laughs) come back try it again (laughs) rinse and repeat Uh, yeah yeah so uh it's this year has definitely been more about um figuring figuring the business side out like 20 years in I'm like maybe I should figure out how to make money, music, money at this
2: <laughs> there's a really great book everything you know you need to know about the music industry that uh I highly recommend that our uh, an old probably vampires lawyer made us read and I was like oh there is there is a business side to this sure yeah I guess I got to think about right? that at some point yeah uh man okay awesome tangent glad we went there uh so back to Mutzland a little bit so what um what was the kind of progression like with that band? Uh, I know, how many how many full-length records have you guys put out?
0: There are five full-length records. And wow. Four and four EPs, four or five EPs.
2: Yeah, and I remember definitely hearing the EPs first. How much of that, I know you mentioned doing stuff with John Elvin, John Elvin and another dude that's come up a lot in the podcast, because he's a good friend of ours, Mr. Dan Smart. I yeah. know you worked with him a lot. How
0: many of those did you do with Dan? Two, the two full-lengths, two of the full-lengths with Dan. Okay. Uh and then one full length with John and 3 EPs with John.
2: And then did you do have you done everything else yourself?
0: No, so the most recent album was with Rick Fritz at Audio Tree and that ended uh, up being like an EP called Stick Together in 2016 and then the shit show started uh in November. And we started working on fleshing that out into a full length called stuck together, which we also right. finished up with Rick.
2: So what's the, I mean, cause I know obviously you're, you, you do a lot of stuff solo and whatever is the, is muts just sort of like a, a hiatus thing since you're all across the country or is that kind of officially over and done with?
0: Uh, I would say just hiatus. Like we still like we have a uh, video for, from the last album that's coming out, uh, in October, Right around the same time as my 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 solo album comes out there's going to be a new video which um we did out in la with a friend jp Riley, and um that song is also going to be in like an indie flick that's coming out this winter so there's definitely things happening but it's all kind of more like behind the scenes like not touring not like actively recording although we owe our kickstarters from the last album like 15 songs like custom songs which are written it's just like how do we record them <laughs> like, yeah, yeah right. so I need to. Hey, Kickstarters, thank you. I'll get you your song soon. <laughs> 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 I'm sure you they want. I'm
2: glad I'm not, I'm not. I know I have done a Kickstarter or two for you in the past. I don't know if I'm on this most recent one though. So I think uh, I think I'm good. You don't have to worry about it right. being one of yeah. people banging down your door. Dude,
0: I think about it every day. I'm like, we got to record those songs. But I mean, you know, there there are click tracks and there are
2: uh, remote sessions. It's possible to do. I yeah, guess. Yeah,
0: we probably just need to do that
2: all uh i mean you're doing a lot though so you're also you've also got all your solo stuff tell us a little bit about what's been going on in that world i know you've got this um the borrowed tunes that just came out we've sort of talked about it a little bit and then you've also got another record coming out here uh, very soon what do we have to look forward to
0: yeah so borrowed tunes came out a week ago uh and that is a project that i've been thinking of for probably 14 years like Wanted to do a coverage record, knew the title was going to be Borrowed Tunes after the Neil Young song, Borrowed Tune, uh, which is just one of the most beautiful, simple pieces of music. And the words just connect with me so well that I'm climbing this ladder, my head in the clouds. I hope that it matters. I'm having my doubts. It's like all of this stuff Mm -hmm. that we're striving for and that we do every day. It's like, what is it actually going to mean? Um, mm-hmm. and it might be nothing, but who cares? It's the process of getting it done that matters. Like it's, mm. it's what we're doing and, and, and how we're growing as individuals and collectively, like at the end of the day, none of it matters. We all die. Who cares? Right. Um, so I've been thinking about this record for a very long time and never prioritized it. But once all my summer gigs were canceled, I'm like, Hey, I got time now. Oh yeah. <laughs> so you do. So I just did it. I recorded it three times. Um I did it wow. on my I have an upright right here. And so I have two keyboards. That's the keyboard and that's the piano, right? Within arm's reach. Um oh, Beautiful. Is
2: that uh is that the uh the Nord Stage?
0: No, this is actually just like a little Yamaha like MIDI controller thing. The the Nord oh, is cool. in a in a case right now. But um yeah, so I did it on my upright. It just didn't sound powerful enough a lot of those songs are ballads and they needed a grand piano so i was like you know what let me try this midi piano and maybe i can like juice it somehow and <laughs> like i'd worked on mixing it and remixing it for like a month before i was like this is never gonna sound like a grand piano it's fucking yeah. midi piano um so then that was like midsummer. i'd already been now working on on a piano and vocal record for like two months and, uh, I was like, I'm just going to put on a mask and go to a studio. So I went and did the, the piano at a toy box studios here in cool. East Nashville. Awesome. Um, so three, and
2: that, and, <laughs> and so that's the, that's the, what, what would the world hear is, is that last is session? That, yeah.
0: So third time's a charm. Hopefully. I mean, people seem to be responding to it pretty well. That means a lot, especially cause, um, I did use a lot of like female artists songs that when I sing them come across differently and kind of express sort of my process as a gay man coming out and so the fact that those songs are really resonating just means a lot because it, it's that's yeah. again yeah, the cool. common theme like it's the connection so that, you
2: know that did sort of jump out a little bit at me too when i was listening to even you know the robin song the the those lyrics definitely take on a different just a different meaning entirely, coming from you and your where you come from in life versus where Robin was writing them from.
0: Yeah, and that's my friend Ashantika, who uh, I don't know if you you heard my song Garbuji, She coined that phrase. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, so which is amazing. <laughs> so yeah, good good friend and like mentor, I guess, musically. And I was playing at the uh, Paper Machete, the Green Mill, mm-hmm. and oh, yeah. uh, just doing like their lounge, their cocktail like two song set. And um, I think I played like Pray Like a Vigilante or Everyone Is Everyone or one of my kind of like I'm gay, fuck you songs. And uh, (laughs) she's like, you know, you you have like this thing, but if you really wanna like connect with the the gay community, you have to like, you know, meet them halfway. Do a song by like a, a gay icon. I'm like, like who? She's like Robin. I'm like, "Who is that?" I had I hadn't even heard of Robin. And then so she introduced me to her and was like, "This is the song you should do." And I listened to it and I was like, "Yes, 100%." Oh,
1: yeah. Mhm. That's awesome. So,
2: yeah, that I mean, I I love the, I love your version of it. It's definitely, it's certainly a, lot, a heck of a lot different than the original. But I also am not listening to a cover to hear just like ninety percent of somebody else's song. I kind of want I I like covers when people do their own take on yeah. it and put yeah. their own their own Agreed. soul into it. And I also really felt that. Uh, in your uh, version of uh, the world is turned which Dude, couldn't be you. more sort of timely yeah that was than that was my with favorite, what, what's going on in the world right really now awesome. holy shit that one's great
0: that was definitely number two of my like list it was like borrowed tune number one and then that song you know for a long time i've been thinking like man this song is like heartbreaking <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wanted, yeah i want to do it in a way that sounds like that so right and I think well
2: every, like, everyone needs to go listen to that those uh, listen to the whole thing cuz it's awesome but definitely the I would say those two were, were some of the standout tracks for me Thanks, man. to it. Mm-hmm.
0: I think the biggest concern with the Weezer song was like changing the chords. Like how do you guys feel about like when you're covering a song do you have the license to like not do the chord progression?
2: Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean is as, as long I don't think there are any rules ever frankly but yeah. really I mean as, as long as the sort of the, the melody in some way is still kind of implied yeah. and i you know it i don't i don't care what dave what do you think yeah
1: i agree i, th- I think I, ch- I always try it the original way first just to see but sometimes if you've got you know a minor chord instead of a major you know even something that small can really uh make it yeah own, you know
0: Totally, right. Well, even,
1: I mean, especially
2: playing it on piano, I mean, that song's uh, already a half-step tuned down on on guitar, like Mm -hmm. on the record, so, you know, those weird flat keys on piano are definitely, it's a lot easier just to move it into uh, one of the white keys, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. well, and it has,
0: like, that move that has, like, the major third, which I love that move. I have it in many of my compositions, but in this case, I felt like it was, like, you know, that's kind of taken me out of this, like, super somber mode of being stuck back in your past and um i was like man i i think for like four years i was covering that song at at gigs and then it finally hit me this summer i'm like what if i just try it without with a different chord progression Um, awesome how long did it take you to land
2: on on where 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 you took it was it was it kind of an instant an instant I don't even know you couldn't call it really a transposition just like an instant transformation uh, or or was did you kind of have to labor over it?
0: it it was it was definitely labor because um, like I feel like you guys are in, in a similar camp with me where like the blue album is like a gospel
2: yeah. <laughs> yes, you know, absolutely.
0: I will, I, I love that record. I, I am Team
2: Pinkerton. Uh, just oh, yeah, based yeah. on when it hit, it yeah, hit that's me f- in my life. Too, yeah. But Blue, but yeah, Blue Album is, it's, it's the Old Testament for sure. Yeah. I still, so, I still yeah. don't That's a in, great so. way to put it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's good. One. Um, yeah. So there's, I felt like some internal pressure to not mess it up. And that's why I think I deliberated over changing the chords and, and all of that. Um, but yeah, so it took it took a while to kind of settle in on on what actually happened.
2: We just need to we need to start spamming Rivers with it and just to get yeah. it, to give, give us a take on That'd it. On be sick, Even dude. if it's bad, I still feel like that would still be the thing to
0: do. Even if he just answered with a thumbs down emoji, that would be <laughs> fine.
2: <laughs> that would actually in that some would ways be really probably cool, be better, yeah. I think. I would take it. <laughs> like I would take it I would take a, a definite thumbs down versus like a lukewarm maybe. Yeah. Totally. Like no totally. response. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, man. So, all right. So, you've got this Borrowed Tunes. Everyone should, should go check that out. And also, I want, we already touched on it. You're doing a fucking really cool giveaway. Tell us about that with, like, a ex- super exclusive vinyl situation. Yeah.
0: So, I found a company that does, like, print-on-demand vinyl. And it's stupid expensive. Like, it doesn't even make sense to, to <laughs> offer it as, like, a yeah. product. Uh, so, I just bought one. And uh, so, right now, there's only one copy of this album on vinyl and i'm just so gonna, you didn't you didn't even get yourself one no nah, i mean i can probably order one later if i really <laughs> yeah, want it Right, <laughs> but i Damn, uh, now
2: i kind of want to do that with like all of my random old just like shitty pop punk demos from you, you know being a teenager and you stuff. can do I kinda it i want to just like have that on vinyl that's crazy and it shit. sounds
0: good like i listened to it sorry i broke the seal on the piece of vinyl for whoever gets it but <laughs> i did listen to it and it sounds good so uh yeah it's uh so, it's the only, I guess the other reason I didn't want to print two is because, you know, it is literally the only one in existence right now for okay, whoever yeah, can win for it. Sure. Yeah. So, that and a CD. And then I'm going to do, I've been doing like live streams once a month. And uh, I'm going to do just like a private live stream, which might be awkward, might be fun. Who knows? Let's just try it um, yeah, right. for yeah. whoever wins. And,. Honestly like I've done the giveaway thing a lot and there's usually like not much of a response but so far it's been like really good like a lot of people are sharing the the record and entering the drawing so I'm, Give us I'm some more details
2: when when's the draw how do you enter when does the drawing end all that stuff.
0: Um the draw I don't know when this is going live but This the, will be
2: out this will be out before the drawing ends. I just can't remember what oh, date it is.
0: It's uh, October 6th, 7th and 8th. I'm going to split it up and perfect. draw one winner each day. Um Perfect. But, uh, yeah, so you just go on Spotify or Apple or whatever you use for music and add it to your library and like sh- take a screenshot and share it, like show that you've, you've added your, your, the, the record to your library or a playlist or whatever, um, and just share it. Badass. Yeah.
2: You're, you hear that folks? <laughs> you can get yourself a one of one, one, go one. And, you, and you could enter the, d- the details on Discogs yourself and then yeah. no one else could ever have oh, yeah. unless you want to sell it for ten thousand dollars <laughs> uh, uh all right well but then next you've got another record of original tunes that i believe you 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 mentioned to me before that you actually recorded and mixed all this yourself right yeah
0: so this will be the first full length like original album that uh that i did everything myself um wow and wow. i'm pretty excited about how it turned out i guess you know the public will decide whether or not it's valid as a thing but i like well, it well <laughs> i can tell you that i
2: like it too because you did send it to me and i listened to it and it's fucking rad i'm awesome. super into it what uh what i don't know tell us about tell us tell us about the record a little bit more like how did it come to be how, why did you start writing the songs what's what's the deal with it
0: yeah it's it's very much like a isolation i mean it's called isolation 1 uh, but it's very much born from from isolation the kind of imposed um, loneliness that we've had this summer. Um, and it was just, I think my time to have that, like lock yourself in a room and get introspective kind of record. Mm -hmm. Um, and it goes, you know, there's some kind of personal songs, there's some relationship stuff. I mean, shit has been hard this year. Um, and I just wanted to be super honest about it and, and write it onto a, on a, onto an album. Um, and, I knew I wanted it to kind of mirror that sort of like roller coaster that we've all been on. Like the today I can do anything. Cause like what's stopping me. Uh, mm-hmm. and then the next day you're like, well, I just don't even want to get out of bed. Um, mm-hmm. so the arc starts, like there's a lot of like gangs of me doing like group sing-alongs that I can, you know, hopefully picture people doing at shows whenever we have that opportunity. Um, oh boy. one of my favorite Things to do on live streams is to in- encourage group vocals <laughs> for people at how home. How does
2: that? How does it? Th- th- is it like all coming back on like delays and stuff at you?
0: No, like I can't hear them. Nobody can oh, hear. You've got to like oh, yeah okay, <laughs> Sing along, everybody. <laughs> Just the idea that's that great, everybody though. is at home like doing a shout, like call and response.
1: That's awesome. <laughs> that's so I cool. I love
0: that. Like, why not? You know, I love uh, so many people when like bands tell them to clap from stage or like sing apart, they roll their eyes and I'm like, yeah, this is part of what I love about us being in this room. It's like doing the wave at a baseball game. It's like (laughs) we are a group of individuals doing something collectively and that's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so that's how the record starts. And then it just kind of devolves into like the, one of the most lonely couple of songs that I've ever written um and it ended on that note uh with a song called leave me alone and Mm -hmm. i was just like listening back to the mixes it was totally done in my opinion ready to master and i was like fuck i can't do that like i can't just leave the record on this down note uh that's just not me um i like to talk about how horrible things are and then say like but we have to keep going so we might as well um so then i wrote this song called we all gotta die which is my way of saying, like, cheer up, we all got (laughs) to (laughs) die. That's kind
2: of like Do You Realize by the Flaming Lips. Exactly, yeah. It's kind of, you know, yeah, we all acknowledge this, like, shared uh, existential grief or loneliness, but, you know what, fuck it, we're all alive anyway, so might as well just, like, be happy while we're here. Exactly.
0: And I want to put it on tape as many times as possible. I know that I ripped off Les Champs-Élysées, Uh, 100%. That's what I was (laughs) intending to do. Um, it's an homage. So the, the, the melody in the chorus is we all got to die set to chance, les chances de la And the in between parts are kind of like my little nod to you got a friend in me. It's like the intention is to evoke these extremely like saccharine, like nostalgic, happy feelings while you're telling somebody they're going to die alone yeah it's
2: like (laughs) it's like putting the song happy together over like a a war scene in a movie or something it's that (laughs) that juxtaposition yeah
0: so i think this is like the the flip side of the being able to connect with everybody online is having to deal with people online because i've already been called out like a bunch of times i posted like a tease (laughs) and i'm like I don't think you're understanding what I'm getting at here. Yeah. And that's fine. Like you can say I stole it. I did. Like I fucking stole it. If, if it ever gets big enough that I get sued, I'll be so happy and I'll be like, (laughs) here's all the money I made from it here. Like I'll give you 100% writing credit. That would be fucking awesome. If I got sued over it.
2: Right exactly and then pile that on with rivers giving you a thumbs down and this fucking these two records are going to the top of the charts yes. name will get out there
0: at least give me all of the bad feedback i, I love <laughs> it. eat it and then there i are, shit there are a couple it things out
2: that stick stuck out to while when, when i was listening uh i think man i wish i had, my notes were more clear on this but i know that for sure i really liked i believe it was maybe the song dirty it had this like these like tongue clicks going on yeah, that yeah. reminded me of the, of the movie hereditary uh if anybody's seen that oh, yeah tongue, tongue clicks play a little bit of a central role in that and i was just like oh terrifying but awesome uh and some sweet sub bass. And also there was one song and I don't remember again if this is like the title or anything, but you talk about um or I guess you're giving advice that I wanted to ask about. Uh, you say don't sell your drums for beer. Is oh, yeah. that is that is that a thing that you have done?
0: Yeah. I mean, you know like the gear swap, the panic gear sale, <laughs> <Yeah>. the <laughs> I cannot pay my bills this month. I need to you oh, look yeah. around your studio and you're like, what do I not need? And I've done it twice, actually I've had two drum sets in my life, and I don't have either one of them because it's I'm not a drummer. I just like to play drums right. and so it's always the first thing to go when i'm when I'm in a panic over paying my bills and I'm sitting here making a solo record in my bedroom, being like, "I need a fucking drum set. I'm sick of playing around with eight oh eights like I want like a real drum set on this thing, but so that song came out like in about as much time as you're listening to it is about as much time as it took me to write and i love Mm -hmm. that i just didn't overthink it it just went right on the record
2: that's 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 beautiful yeah so when does when does the record actually come out officially october 23rd October 23rd. Yeah. Well, we'll obviously make sure that we're doing plenty of reposting and all that good stuff for you. Mike, dude, this has been a really awesome conversation. Thanks for, yeah, for talking man, thank us you. through. Yeah. Thank so much for having me and your background and history, all that shit. Oh, of course, dude. Uh, you know, super happy we finally got to have you on where a little aware where should people who want to partake in all of your awesome social media and fan outreach that we've been gassing up where would you direct them to go on the interweb
0: yeah all my social media stuff is at mike Mamoni music and then my website has links to all of the spotify and apple and streaming services and stuff so it's just right. mike Maimone.com
2: beautiful yeah it's and it's and it's you know it's a nice clearly laid out website i've been there myself so you should you folks should be able to find everything you're looking for mike again cool. <clears throat> thank you so much for joining yeah, us thanks, can't wait yeah. until we can uh do you know in-person stuff again so maybe head, head down to nashville and say hi or you, you get your, yeah, man, or I miss, your way back up to chicago. I, miss
0: chicago I want to come visit
2: for sure at some point Hell yeah we're going to have to get you up here and do a little reunion with all the guests that we've had to connect with remotely since you know we're doing all this stuff virtually these days but hey man it's been awesome to hear your voice thanks again for being so open and sharing and and giving with all of your your background and history with us dude all right. thanks so much man thanks for having
0: me